All right, welcome, welcome. My name is Pastor B. Wallace, and you are tuned in to Simplify Complexity, your relationship podcast. I am always grateful and honored when you can join us. Today, I am excited because we have the founder and host of Right to Real Love radio podcast joining us. We have the awesome Jay Emmanuel. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Why don't you say hello to everybody? Yo, what's going on, man? It's such an honor to be here on the podcast. I appreciate you, Pastor Brian, for inviting me on. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here and you're with us. And, and we're going to have a, a really fun and, and, and great discussion uh, when it comes to about sex, right? And I, I think sometimes um, that's kind of like the taboo word, right? Like you can't talk about <laughs> sex too much. And, 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 and so, but people want to know about sex. People are having sex. It, it's not as though us not talking about it is all of a sudden going to make people forget about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you mean probably taboo in the church, right? Because I don't think most people outside of the church have a problem talking about it because it's everywhere. We're like flooded with it. Television, radio, you know, there's always the the sexual images, the sexual connotations and, you know, kind of innuendos that get dropped so often now, even in cartoons. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And and so we have to talk about it. We we can't avoid mm-hmm. it and and thinking that us not talking about sex is going to help the situation and people are going to gain a biblical perspective as far as God's desire and plan for them in the area of sex and relationships. So, but before we get to that first, I really want to thank Harris Booker who was our sponsor. I want to encourage you to go to harrisbooker.me. There, he will give you guidance and insight in the area of insurance. And so if you're just wondering, um, just looking for information as far as what type of insurance you should have to make sure it's, it's blessing your family and you're covered, we want to encourage you to reach out to him. So with that said, our topic today is going to be in the area of premarital sex. And we want to talk about the, the impacts, mainly the negative impacts of premarital sex. And kind of before we kind of jump into that, one of the things that I want to share for our listeners and help them to understand is that God is not a prude. You know, God is the creator of sex. Sex is not this, as we kind of mentioned before, this taboo thing, this bad thing. God created it. He created it for a purpose. And he created it to be pleasurable. And I know that sometimes when you say that, and it's like, oh, that like, that's weird. But yes, God created it to be pleasurable. But at the same time, God, with purpose behind it, he gives guidelines. He gives a structure for it. And that's where we find that God's desire and God's plan for sex is with inside marriage. And I, I, before we kind of go there, I want you to chime in. Did you have any thoughts on what I just said? Oh, yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think that sex isn't a bad thing, as some people may even try to make people believe that it is. It's just the fact that God has a specific way in which he desires for us as human beings to engage in sexual activity. And as you stated, that's within the confines of a marriage. As we know, there are people who decide to operate outside of the will and the laws and the commands of the Most High. And as a result, mm-hmm. they do reap some of the consequences, some of the things that we're going to touch on today. Yep, yep exactly. And, and so then the second part I want to kind of add to that is sometimes people are like, well, where does it specifically say in the Bible that you <laughs> do not have sex until you get married? And, and so what's interesting about that is normally when you're talking about sex in marriage, it's normally in a positive command. 
And so sometimes you have negative commands, and in other times you have um, positive commands. And so you find that you find positive commands when Jesus says in Matthew 19, where he, he talks about the sanctity of marriage and how you become one flesh. You leave your father and mother and you become one flesh. Well, in that, it's talking about marriage and it's also talking about sex. You have other uh, positive commands throughout the scripture where it talks about in Hebrews 13, where marriage should be honorable by all and the marriage bed is kept pure. And so it talks about, again, sex inside the, the sanctity of marriage. And so you find these positive commands. There are times that you find a negative command, and it's normally under the umbrella of fornication or sexual um, immorality. And so when you see the negative commands about fornication or sexual immorality, that's where you're seeing um, where it's encompassing uh, sex outside of marriage and other forms of, of impure sexual acts or immoral sexual acts. Any thoughts yeah, on I'm that, Jeff? That, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because the one thing that comes to my mind, like you stated, and I think it is important for us to be honest with people, you aren't going to find those specific words of, mm -hmm. you know, don't have sex before marriage or outside of marriage, but you are, like you stated, given commands. You can give... Uh, examples. And also you'll see some experiences that occur in the Bible that speak to how those situations were handled. And here's one example that comes to my mind is when they talk about in the Old Testament, I can't remember the specific book, but what occurs is if a situation occurs where I think they say like it's a, a damsel or a virgin and she's out somewhere and a man forces himself on her having sex, then there's a ramification or result that mm -hmm, comes mm -hmm. if that woman screamed for help and people heard her. The ramification isn't going to be on her, but it's going to be on that man. But if there's a situation where that woman doesn't scream out, which is interpreted as her consenting to having sex, which would be what many people in our society do today, is they consent to have sex with one another. There is not any forcing, no rape or anything of that nature. There are two people who have agreed, even though they're not yep, married, yep. to actually have sex. And what's the result? The result isn't bring them to the stake, kill them, burn them, or stone them. The thing is, y'all got to get married. That's it. Because it's like y'all have already done something that was supposed to be held within the confines of marriage. As a result, now y'all must want to be married because y'all decided to do something that married people do. So it gives us a glimpse into the thought process behind why the Most High gave us certain commands. And in this case, the command of refraining from having sex unless we're doing it within a marital union. There you go. So, I mean, good stuff. And, and so now with that, oftentimes we don't fully understand those negative impacts or, or kind of why would God want his design for sex to be in marriage? What is, what is necessarily bad about premarital sex? And, and so I want you to start off, and I want our listeners to understand that God doesn't just want to keep us from enjoying things. You know, God's yeah. desire for us is he loves us, and he wants to protect us, and so he gives us guidelines. So I, I think of me, and I have my kids. And, mm -hmm. and with my kids, um, I'm constantly sharing, like, I, I want to protect you. So I might say, don't touch the stove or make sure you look both ways before you cross the street. And so you give guidelines to protect them. And that's the same thing when it comes to premarital sex. So, Jay, share one of your, your points as far as some of the impacts of 
premarital sex or the negative impacts of premarital sex? Here's the thing, Brian. The first thing that I want to say, even before I get into my first point with regards to this, is any person who has engaged in premarital sex and they tell you that there are no consequences, no negative things, <laughs> I assure you that person is a liar. There is right, nobody right. who I've or ever Or they're in denial. Met. Yeah. E- either one, they lying because yep. there are negative consequences. They just may, may be, as you said, you know, unaware of them or in denial of them. But let's be real. Myself, I've engaged in premarital sex and I have definitely reaped negative consequences from my actions. I know other people who have done it. There's all of these different consequences. It may vary from person to person. You know, yep. you got some extreme cases where people end up with pregnancies or STDs or forced marriages, you know, as a result of, you know, people forcing them into a marriage because of something that they engaged in and did. But then there are other areas down that spectrum that, you know, is you might experience the, the ending of a relationship or you might experience some heartbreak or, you know, something that is a little bit more intangible as opposed to those other examples that I gave. But the first consequence that comes to my mind and I think really hits to the heart of why the Most High gave us this command to to refrain from having sex unless we're doing it in marriage. And it's because of the impact it will have on the relationship between men and women. One of the first things that I've realized as an impact of premarital sex is that men will typically value women less after they have sex Mm -hmm. with them. That is already eroding the core relationship that God desires for men and women. If men are out there having sex with women that they haven't made a commitment to, they haven't even, in some cases, developed a relationship with, they don't know their value, they don't know her worth, but she's giving them something precious that he's now going to take advantage of. And as a result, he's going to value her less after he's gotten it. He's not going to take the time to want to get to know her because in many cases, that was the only thing that he wanted. So that is a huge consequence on both the man and the woman. People may be asking, well, how is that negative for the man? But a man, it erodes at how he sees women. There's Mm. no way that you can tell me that a man who continually has sex with different women and that's all that he wants, his his thought process, his his philosophy on women isn't being impacted every time he does it. It may not be something that he can consciously be aware of, but I promise you, every time a woman gives it up to him easy, it's changing the way he perceives women. He he's looking at them different every single time that he gets those goodies. And then for the women, it has an impact on women as well. It leaves them heartbroken when men only value them for sex. It leaves them in situations where in some cases they start to devalue their own, their own selves. You know, that's where you get the whole women's liberation movement and not all women's liberation. I'm talking specifically about women who are waving that flag about this is my body and I'll do what I want with it. And, you know, it's kind of giving them uh, a red a green light to go out and just have sex, do whatever they want under the guise of some form of liberation or independence. Nah, it's really just the consequences of somebody that had premarital sex. Yep. They didn't know how to properly deal with the impact of that act, how that man treated them. And now they've adapted this skewed perspective of themselves and trying to make it seem like it's independent. So to me, that would be the first one that really gets at the core. Yeah. Well, you really mentioned a couple of things there. And first, as you were talking about the impact upon the man and the woman, and 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 one of the things that I kind of wrote down was how you get desensitized to what 
that represents what to what sex represents. And one of the things that I was thinking about is almost like a person who constantly makes a promise, mm-hmm. but it's okay to go back on their promise. Mm-hmm. And and when you have sex, the initiation of sex or the consummation of it is supposed to be a promise. It's, it's supposed to, to be a contract. It's a covenant. And what happens is, is we desensitize, you kind of talked about, you know, devalue, but we desensitize what that covenant means, what that agreement that we're coming together for this bond. And so now my covenant or my contracts become something that doesn't really mean as much. And that's one of the impacts where it's so easy for people to move on from this relationship to that relationship and to have multiple relationships. And because they've, be, they've become desensitized to the commitment that I need to have to make a relationship work. One of the things that I think we see, the, why the divorce rate is so high and why people are so challenged is because of that area of being desensitized to where I'm not willing to put the work in. It's like the moment that something goes wrong, the moment that we don't like something, the moment that all of a sudden they're getting on our nerves or, or ooh, we don't like the way that they did this, we're moving on from relationships. Mm-hmm. And we're so quick to move on from relationships because we've devalued or desensitized, as you kind of talked about, we've devalued what that commitment means. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that's definitely something that you see a lot of where people just, it, it becomes something casual and it's meant to be so much more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something I really want our listeners to understand is it's meant to be so much more in God's eyes. That first initiation of sex is a covenant. And, it, and the whole point is that the, the marriage is a promise that I'm going to be here and I'm not going anywhere, whether through thick or thin, I am here for you. And they're saying the same thing. And then when you have sex, it's consummating it. It's, it's almost like the signature of a contract. Mm-hmm. And if I just constantly, um, and there was a word I was thinking of as I was meditating on this, it's a non-binding contract. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're just having premarital sex, you're having all of these non-binding contracts. And what is a contract that there's no commitment to? There's no. It's like it's non-avoid. There's no purpose to it. Mm-hmm. And and so that's one of the things that that I was thinking of as you were talking about, you know, sharing one of your your points. Um, what, what are your thoughts, man? No, nah, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think that in addition to the way we perceive one another, meaning men perceiving women and women perceiving. Um, men and mm-hmm. even ourselves, it also, as you stated, can skew our perspective of relationships, of marriage, you know, of those unions that we get into, because it will change what people or how people define what marriage is or its purpose. This is where you have the redefining of what marriage is. This is mm-hmm. where you come have on, those on. definitions yeah. that become very flexible And it's all due to the fact that men have pretty much abandoned the command and the original purpose of the Most High. And that leads them to decide what they want to define a relationship as, what they want to define as okay to okay behavior or behavior that is fine for them to be involved in. Then they start to redefine what marriage is. And it has I put it like this. It don't really look like what the most high intended for it to look like. It it starts to look like some Frankenstein type of creation. (laughs) It does. It really does. 
And I was thinking about that is, uh, I want to be careful too, because it, we're at a place now where it's not just men. You know, you have women that they have almost become as aggressive sexually and promiscuously in the area of, of sex, you know, mm-hmm. as, as men. And, and you know, that that's, so I, I just want to be careful. I feel like, you know, women are out there, you know, just having sec- multiple sexual partners and and nowadays just as much as kind of man did in the past so yeah like i was sharing earlier you know that kind of ties into that whole women's liberation and like i said more so that sexual liberation movement where it gives women that green light to you know kind of take control of your sexuality you know and kind of putting them in the driver's seat where yeah, yeah. you know to Wait, me it's a facade. now with that cuz you and I'm glad that you mentioned that cuz you know when you you, you it, it's such a sensitive topic when you start talking about some of the challenges that women and I'll, let's go be, let's be honest some of the oppressions mm-hmm. and 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 some of the the things that they face with inside of culture when it comes to uh, how they're viewed and their their worth and their value. And, and so I'm, I'm glad that you're really pointing it out more toward the sexual portion. Um, you know, so, so that way some of our listeners understand that we do understand that there were, there are, you know, those mm-hmm. unfair and unjust situations, you know, as far oh, as definitely. how women were viewed and their value and what they contribute uh, to society and to, to culture. So I appreciate oh, you definitely. kind of separating that and talking about that. Yeah. And the one thing to keep in mind with that whole sexual liberation movement is that it is flawed. You know, it's not based on wisdom at all, because to me, true control, which is pretty much what they are advocating for, control over your body, right, as a woman, it is so flawed because wisdom tells us, especially biblical wisdom, is that true control is based upon discipline, the ability to restrain oneself. Not yeah. to open oneself up to whatever and whoever and however many. No, like, no, a free for all isn't any form of discipline or control. It's just the opposite. Yeah. If you well, want to really want to have sexual liberation and control, control your body. Take back control of your goodies and say, no, I'm not going to have sex with you before marriage. That's true sexual liberation. If you were to ask me from a wise perspective, a biblical perspective, it's about discipline. And the same applies for men. Yep. Well, and and to add to that, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about is how within the scriptures, you know, God's desire for us is specific. And so when we we have to be careful, because sometimes we overcorrect. We know there's a challenge and then we go too far one way. So when we go too far into the idea of I can do what I want, it's like, well, no, you still, you know, you're not your own God. And so is your desire to, to meet God's plan for you? And, and so in that, you know, God says, as you're even talking about our bodies, is one of the challenging scriptures that we struggle with when it comes to sex and when it comes to the sanctity of marriage and the union. So kind of getting back to the to the marriage and premarital sex is there's a tight bond and union that is being formed. And this union is so tight and this union is supposed to be so pure. So when we hear the word holy, we're talking about that which is pure. And so this union is supposed to be so pure that even God's desire and his plan for us as he begins to express in the scripture is that, hey, you as the, the wife, your body doesn't belong to you. You know, it's, it's to, the, to the husband. And for you, the husband, 
It is to the, the to the wife to where you're both looking for one another's needs and you're looking out for one another. Now, what ends up happening is that gets corrupted because we get selfish motives. And so now all of a sudden, um, it's not saying like slavery. So it's not literally like, oh, I own you. So don't don't misunderstand that scripture. But we sometimes take that scripture that way where it's like, okay, well, now, you know, you have to do what I want when it comes to sex. And you have to do what I want. And you need to please me when I want to be pleased. And that's where we begin to corrupt this idea of sex. And that even plays itself in premarital sex to where it's kind of all becomes about me. Whereas God's desire is like, no, you should be looking to see, you know, how you can please the, the other. And if both are seeking to please one another, then you won't want to do anything that offends the other. I won't want to do something that causes you to be uncomfortable because I understand your needs and I want to also please you. So it, it gets really deep as you, you get into that whole concept. Oh, yeah, man. And you make a really great point. And I, I would have to be completely honest. I know that a lot of people will hear that. But the thing about it is it's extremely challenging for singles to grasp that, you know, because <laughs> they say that's deferred. You know, that's deferred for when I get married. And as a result, them not being married, they kind of fall back on the, well, I'm single. It's all about me. So I have free will. God gave it to me. I can make my own decisions. And mm -hmm. what they're saying is accurate. It is. But the question really boils down to what choice will they make? And this is why if you ask me, Brian, I truly believe that this topic really boils down to the condition of a person's heart, because mm -hmm. it is our heart that is going to determine the decisions that we make and the consequences that we reap as a result of those decisions that we make. And I'm always reminded of the scripture above all else, guard your heart, <laughs> you know, for everything you do flows from it. Yeah. And this is another example of that. When a person does not guard their heart above all else, it leads them to make decisions such as having marriage, having sex before they get married. And then guess what? Every other decision that you make, every other experience that comes from you making that decision or not guarding your heart is going to flow from that. And you have to reap those consequences, you know, some a lot more drastic than others. But, you know, there's typically always going to be some consequences that come along with it. All right. So this has actually been such an amazing discussion that we have gone in great detail. So I want to pause for a moment. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. And we're going to do a part two to this. So please make sure you check out the, the next update where you'll get part two, where we'll finish this discussion around premarital sex and the, and the impacts that it has upon us and God's purpose and desire for us in the area of relationships. Don't forget to subscribe. You can go to the website, simplifycomplexity.org for more resources. And ultimately, we just pray that you just continue to join in and tell your friends all about what we're doing. God bless you. God keep you. Until next time. Up to down, let love abound. Whether it's good or bad, my family can't be found. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's a family reunion, and my family's with me. In the house, come on, this is what you're coming for. Come on, stand up, put your hands up, make some noise, party with me. It's a family reunion, and my family's with me. It doesn't matter where you're from or who you be.